Welcome to this special edition of Free of Charge. Today, I'm excited to have several of my friends and colleagues join me for a conversation in celebration of International Day of Women and Girls in Science. A significant gender gap has persisted throughout the years at all levels of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics disciplines all over the world. Even though women have made tremendous progress towards increasing their participation in higher education, they're still really underrepresented in all of these fields. This is the eighth day of women and girls in science, and I'm excited to share a conversation about what it's like to be in science and share some just really great insights with you. Today with me, I have Dr. Gina Strati, who has a PhD in chemistry, Ashley Colton, who has a bachelor's degree in nuclear engineering and a master's degree in computer science, Emily Surrett, who is working on her PhD to be a hydrogeochemist, Brittany Rayback, a biologist turned mechanical engineer, and Farah Norton, who has a degree in genetics and focused on the medical sciences. And of course, I'm your host, Larkin Moskrop, and I'm excited to start this conversation. So um, to get things started, I am going to ask um, everybody actually around the table to share a little bit about how they got into science and if there was a moment when they realized it's what they wanted to do. Um, let's start with you, Gina. Thanks, Larkin. That's a, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I would say that my first introduction to science was probably watching TV when I was a kid, and I was really excited about shows like Star Trek, of course, and uh, Bionic Woman and Six Million Dollar Man, and I thought, how cool would it be to work at a secret laboratory, you know, that had all kinds of security to get in. In reality, not so much fun, but, <laughs> you know, young me thought that would be the coolest thing ever, so that, that would have been my introduction to sort of science and lab work two grades graduated at the same time from grade 12 and grade 13. And uh, I still didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up at this time. <laughs> and uh, I basically was choosing the option of least regret. I applied to basically every program I thought would interest me, including law, pre-med, pre business, uh, engineering, systems design, engineering, and water, like everything, the gamut, right? <laughs> and I just was a workhorse and uh, got like the highest grades possible so that I could get into any of those programs and then chose at the last minute based on a, an emotion that I felt and I was like okay I want to do engineering because I realized that I would miss uh, doing all the math and doing the physics and uh, doing the programming that I was actually doing in high school if I decided to stop that and go into law or something so it was actually a real kind of snap emotional decision towards the end when you were getting to the university uh, acceptance deadlines. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. <laughs> that That is really cool. Like the idea that you would just have missed something. And that's why, wow, I that's really that's really interesting. I, I never knew that. But I think that I think that happens to a lot of people where they don't really know what they wanted to do at first or think they do and then they might change their mind. But, you know, with that transition, Brittany, yeah. um, how did you get into science? That's actually a perfect segue that I, I wanted to talk about Ashley's point anyway and kind of bounce off of it, but I had a really similar experience. So I did an undergrad in biology first, uh, and then toward the end of my undergrad, I kind of was realizing, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, and I don't like any of the jobs that I can get with this degree. And, um, and so, yeah, I was applying to a bunch of other programs, and then by the time I put all my applications in, and I got a couple back, and then I got, I had, like, thrown in an extra application, um, because I'd applied to Conestoga College, which is only pr 
uh, college program in Can or in Ontario that accepts or that has an engineering accredited degree program. So I kind of thought oh, I'll throw in an application for that. I'm not going to do another four year degree. And then uh, and then I got in. And I was super excited. And and then I was like, well, I guess I need to do this because it's just I just kind of knew in that moment, even though it never made sense logically <laughs> to go to school for eight years. But here I am. <laughs> yeah, it's following the passion. Right, and mm -hmm. finding something that you think is interesting. So how did you first get into science or get interested in science or knew that you wanted to pursue it, Emily? Yeah, so going back to the TV, I think <laughs> as a kid, I loved all of the shows like The Magic School Bus. So I feel like this is kind of a different era of TV shows. Like Miss Frizzle was so inspirational and just seeing people discovering things was awesome. And then... In high school, I was good at science, so I knew I wanted to do it because I just, I liked feeling good at something. Yeah, I, you know what, Miss Frizzle um, is my, my person. Mm -hmm. I love her. She's a spectacular in science fair. She's great. Goals. Yeah, goals, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and what about you, Farah? Uh, similarly to everyone in the room, I also knew, probably as a kid, so I can't even remember, pinpoint the time, but family tells me that I used to run around saying that I wanted to be a brain surgeon, so... Uh, I grew up loving Bill Nye the Science Guy and watched documentaries on science, like like you know the the nerd that you grew up to be. And uh, the pivotal moment was for me was in high school. I did a co-op at a veterinarian clinic, and just the hands-on experience I learned and saw in that in that time period uh, set me off for sure for the rest of the um, time period that I went to school. So that was for sure it for me. I I just hear so much passion and like you know, energy around science. And when you're telling your stories, you all smile when you're telling these stories of because you remember that moment where you're, you kind of were set off on that track. And so, you know, as you as you might know, girls are less likely to pursue science um, for many reasons, one of which is that they're not encouraged to. They're not um, they're not supported in like, oh, yeah, math is math is something a woman can do. Um, but then also um, another reason is just because they think that it's not for them. You guys are successful, passionate women in science uh, and engineering. I won't exclude the engineers in the room. Um, would you have any words of advice or inspiration for girls and women that are listening to this podcast? Gina? Yeah, so, so I, I get asked that question a lot, you know, like, why should I study science or shouldn't, should I or should I not study science? And, and I really always tell people, like, you should really follow your passion. Mm. I think if you choose something that you're interested in, that you're passionate about, that you think is fun, you know, I don't think you can go wrong going to school and studying it. Maybe that's not a popular um, thought these days. People seem to want to really map out, if I get this degree, I can get this job. And having a job is definitely a good thing to have. <laughs> but, but I think it's really important. I think if you don't like what you're studying in school, it's going to be the worst four years of, of your life. And so I, I really think you should just find that thing you're passionate about and then just do it. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't or you shouldn't. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and I think that, you know, making that decision to even get an advanced degree can be one that you might not have to follow the same path. But, um, like, what would make you decide to get that advanced degree? Like, I know, Emily, you're working on a PhD. What, what was that decision process like to get to there? <laughs> so I feel like for me, the decision process was um, kind of one of, obsession you know you just feel so engrossed in your topic like you want to know you feel like it's not done I'm not over it like I, I want answers and 
when you get to a point where you realize there are uh, like frontiers where you can be the one to find an answer and no one has the solutions. You know, it's not like taking a test anymore. There's not a right answer and, and no one knows if it's A, B, C, or D. Wow. You get to choose. Yeah, that passion, again, you know, I think anyone who's gone ahead and gotten advanced degrees, it's generally because there's something they're like seeking. They want something more. So, you know, speaking of advanced degrees, there's a lot of challenges to being um, a woman in science, but also just a person in science and engineering um, and in your career. So does anyone want to start by sharing an example of one of those challenges that they've had? Um, it can be actually just in life, you know, and then what you've learned about yourself overcoming those and how you overcame those challenges. Let's start with you, Ashley. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, so I have, <laughs> this is actually one of the first uh, challenges I faced as a manager at uh, CNL. So one of the first tasks that I was assigned was really to deliver a promotion case. And this was in the midst of June 2020, and everyone was working remotely. It was the middle of the pandemic. I had all three kids at home and was trying to manage them at the same time. And I was presenting to all of these brand new like VPs within the organization and, and the CEO. So it was kind of stressful. And I also had a new boss, like a new director. And he said, you know, make sure you do a good job. So that I, you know, that definitely adds a little bit of extra pressure. <laughs> so uh, I felt pretty stressed about it. And the way that I approached it was I, I had all of the data. So the data had already been collected. And basically what I decided to do was like engross myself in it, fully understand the case, and then deliver like a more of a story. So instead of saying like, these are all the facts, you should promote this person. I said like, this is why you should promote this person. And I talked more about kind of character and I helped make more of an emotional connection to the case. Uh, and in doing that, I think it was really convincing, like it was successful, yes, but I got a, so much positive feedback after the fact from those new executives. So I think that was like a special edge that I could bring to that because I could make that more emotional uh, connection to, to just pure facts to help bring them to life, essentially. And that's like taking one of those challenges that you overcame from those personal apps attributes that you have mm -hmm. um, and then characteristics that are usually thought of as being female characteristics of bringing that that story together mm -hmm. that's an that's a really it's a really powerful example of how you can take those personal characters and characteristics that you have and building that into addressing kind of challenges and, and opportunities for those around you even mm -hmm. um Farrah, did you want to share a challenge that you've had and how you overcame it and what you learned from it yeah, I think um, when I first started my career, I was working uh, clinically so in a hospital, and so there are actually a lot of women in that environment. So it never actually occurred to me that I was a fish out of water or you know out of place. And uh, definitely working coming to the nuclear industry, it's a, a lot more male dominated, and so that was definitely uh, you know comes to mind at that time. You think to yourself, sometimes you're the only woman in in the room in a meeting, you know. So that happened often. Um, and as a ta challenge, I think I took it as um, as a challenge in terms of not as a difficulty, but as, you know, how can I, how can I succeed in this environment? So finding yourself um, connected with someone that can help you move forward. So that can show, you can show all your talents and attributes to, and that it recognizes that and gives you opportunities to show yourself and show your skills. So I think um, a piece of advice I would give to young girls is, is you know, 
read uh, your favorite books by your favorite uh, female authors and watch um, or listen to podcasts, watch your favorite documentaries on, on what they've done and what they've accomplished and, and fill yourself with strength and find that person or those people in your work environment or in your life environment that will help push you forward. I think that's really great advice. Um, I'm, I smiled across the table to Gina because Gina's been that person with me here at CNL. So I, that's, we had a little moment there. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think accomplishment is something that we, we all have around the table and in different ways. You know, I was saying that I think the biggest accomplishment yet to date for me is growing this garden where I've been able to make a ton of food and seeing these plants that I've grown from seed. And, you know, I know all the science behind plants and how they should live, and I've never been able to keep a house plant alive. So the idea that I've been able to grow food is just amazing to me. So, um, you know, the, those accomplishments that we have in our career and in our lives can really shape who we are and how we interact with everybody. Um, Emily, Brittany, do you want to share about an accomplishment that you've had that you you know, have really changed, changed your life and, and, or something you're really proud of. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I think accomplishments and being proud of things is something that I honestly kind of struggle with because I find I set a really high bar for myself and sometimes I set like too high of a bar and where it's unrealistic that I'm going to achieve that. And when I inevitably don't, that I'm like disappointed in myself. And then also other times I like just do the thing I requested of myself and I'm like, well, that's just what I was supposed to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a hard time with like patting myself on the back sometimes, but I do think that one uh, example I can think of when I did think like, okay, that was pretty awesome was uh, coming out of my biology degree. One of the thoughts I had before I like decided to go into engineering was uh, I was like, oh, well, I don't want, I, I don't think I'm smart enough to do engineering. Like it's, it's really hard. Everyone talks about like, failing all their classes and all this stuff. So I don't think I'm cut out for it, but I do know that I really want to do it. And I don't want to look back thinking like that I limited myself in some way. So I decided like, I'm going to try my very best. And if I fail, then I know I'm not smart enough. Like I gave it everything I could. <laughs> so I tried my very, very best, which was a huge change coming out of my undergrad because <laughs> my undergrad in biology, because I was really not a great student. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, anyway, coming from like getting C's a lot in biology and then going into engineering in first year, I made the dean's list and I got like a 97 on my statics exam, which a lot of people failed. And I remember just like being so excited and like jumping around the room and like, yeah, I made the dean's list, which is crazy. And I was really proud of myself because it took a lot of work and I was like, I am smart enough for this. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a really great feeling. And also the, the transition from something you were like, eh, about, you know, maybe that's sometimes when you aren't doing as well is because you don't have that passion driving you. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a huge, a huge thing for sure. That's... Yeah. And people ask me a lot about like, what was harder, like, because I went to Waterloo, University of Waterloo for my biology degree, and then I went to Conestoga College for my engineering degree. So they're like, different environments, like colleges are a lot more applied university there's a lot of people there's just like it's different so people ask me like oh which one was harder and I'm like I honestly it's a really difficult question to answer because engineering is hard but I was so like what Emily is saying I was so like passionate and like infatuated with strengths of materials and <laughs> how they break <laughs> it's so cool and so I was like I, I know it's a lot of work but I don't care and uh, so that it made it easier for me to put in the work brilliant okay so you know, uh, I, I always think about how 
our ideas of what we're going to be and who we're going to be is going to change so much throughout school. You know, it sounds like a lot of us knew that we wanted to, we liked science at least, science and engineering. We liked math, we liked science growing up. Um, and, you know, if you look back, like my, my, my two daughters are like, I want to be a singer one year and now it's like military <laughs> member and one of them's like, I'm going to be an engineer. It's probably going to be very boring, but I'm going to still be one. Um, okay. So, you know, Emily, um, do you remember what you wanted to be in primary school? Yes. And did, did that change through high school and then into university? Yes. So, okay, probably not surprising with my other example, Miss Brizzle. I wanted to be a teacher. Of course. Yeah. I feel like as a kid, you see teachers all the time. It just makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. you're thinking about what you want to be and you look to the professions that you're interacting with. Mm -hmm. Teachers, doctors, singers. And like role models too. Yeah, like role, role models. models. Yeah. For sure. So I wanted to be a teacher and then, I don't know, I guess when I was going through high school, teachers college was pretty saturated mm -hmm. with people so that seemed like not a great career choice because I may not get a job coming out of that and I didn't speak French so I was really not getting a job <laughs> and there's so many women in that kind of career too so you know I'm like oh I really don't stand out here you know there's yeah so then I also really liked art in high school and I took art all through high school. Even we had an arts and crafts course. I took two credits of arts and crafts. It was <laughs> awesome. So coming out of high school, what I wanted to do is I wanted to do art restoration. And it's also very scientific, like looking at paint. Yeah, so I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. But what I signed up for was, um, physics and fine art at the University of Waterloo. It was the only university that let me take that combination. But then when I got there, I took the earth science class and thought, no, here, I'm here. This is me forever now. <laughs> but yeah, so it's such a twisty, turny path. And I think that's something that people should remember. Just enjoy the ride and see where it takes you and Follow, follow your passion. I think that's really interesting. I, I never thought about this, uh, I'll say embarrassingly, that, you know, when you're little, you want to be the things that you see. So mm -hmm. the teacher, the doctor, you know, I wanted to be a doctor for a long time and then realized I wasn't a big fan of complaining people. Um, and so <laughs> I, I definitely did not go and study that. Um, and so, you know, it, it is interesting because then it could change your complete um, trajectory. And then mm -hmm. even now with, with the degrees I'm, the degree I'm taking, it's completely different than what I used mm -hmm. to study. And so it's finding that passion again and can, continuing to pursue it. So and sort of one thing off of that too is like at, when you're younger, I feel like you're really impressionable. So it's like looking back on my educational history, and maybe this is just me being like crazily scattered and very uh, like looking to other people to help me. But like I changed my major so many times, and it was usually because someone was like, "Oh, I'm doing this," and I'd be like, "Oh, ecology! Wow, that's so cool! Okay, I'm gonna do a." ecology specialization oh and I was like it's hard to figure out what is me I was always looking to like other people and it's hard when you are not like necessarily 
put into the perfect environment. Like, you know, if I'm not coloring all the time as a kid and I, like, really love art, then it makes it harder to, like, find your passion. Mm -hmm. So just trying a lot of things also is helpful to get where you need to go. Yeah, or, you know, picking... Picking something when you realize you would miss if you would miss it if you didn't. Yeah. So I know actually that you did your your bachelor's in nuclear engineering. Uh, can you tell us why that's so special? Because there's something really cool about it. Uh, sure. Yes, Larkin. Uh, so I was part of the first uh, graduating class of nuclear engineers from Ontario Tech. Uh, it was UOIT at the time, and uh, that was really really exciting for me uh, to be in something new. A lot of the the schools that I had been to previously had also been attended by my mother, my elementary school and my high school, and they were both torn down after I left. <laughs> <laughs> so it was an opportunity for me to go somewhere brand new. And uh, I had a really interesting kind of diverse class. Uh, there were at least a quarter, almost a half uh, women in the, in the graduating class of nuclear engineers. So they were all Kind of excited, I think, about that trailblazing aspect about being that first class at that first university. And it was really exciting for us. And then you moved into um, modeling and more computer science focused. What what gave, what made you make that change? So, I it wasn't like I immediately jumped into a modeling master's after completing my bachelor's. What I actually did was uh, I, I got a job. Uh, which was quite lucky because it was 2007 and if I had waited one more year it would have been a much more challenging accomplishment. I don't know if you remember the recession yeah. <laughs> at the time. Uh, but uh, I started at ACL in the uh, reactor physics branch uh, that was working on the ACR 1000 design. So I had a really cool job but it was very computer focused. Everything was on modeling and we were using uh, high-performance Linux-based computers to do all of our calculations and I realized okay uh, I think you know this is really fun and I think that this would be a good focus for me to go back and get a deeper specialization yeah you know I think uh, it, it happens quite often where people do stop school partway through and then decide that oh this is something else I found that I really love and go forward now, as I had alluded to earlier, Gina, you're one of my mentors, you're somebody I really look up to, um, also friend and colleague, but um, I also, uh, like, going, getting into the nuclear industry, as Ferris had alluded to, it was very male-dominated. Um, how did you, how did you find that transition? Was it easy for you? What were the complications? And, like, how did you kind of get to be the successful woman that you are now? Yeah, it's a very long and complicated question, I think. Uh, so, so in reality, I didn't really think about uh, the fact that I was the only woman other than to be amused. So I think since high school, I was the only woman in my physics class. You know, so that just became uh, kind of standard for me. I was one of a small handful of women in my chemistry classes when I was an undergrad. Uh, my PhD as well. There weren't a lot of women in, certainly not in physical chemistry. It was uh, it was mostly male dominated. When I started working at CNL, uh, like like Farah, I'd go to meetings where I was one of uh, you know there was maybe like I don't know ten percent, five percent of the audience were women. Uh, so it was actually just sort of normal to me. I, I think uh, just a few years ago I went to a conference, 
And, uh, you know, there was a break, a bio break, and I thought, well, let me just run quickly to the bathroom, which I will say when you're in a male-dominated field, that actually doesn't take very long because there's no one in line for the bathroom. <laughs> and I stood there with all these other women, and I thought, like, one, well, I wasn't expecting this, but two, like, this is really excellent that suddenly there are so many women at this conference that, you know, we have to stand in line during the bio break. And, and it was just, it was, I know it's a, it's a ridiculous thing to notice, but for, for decades, you know, that just was not the case. There were very few women. So I just never really thought about it. Maybe, I don't know if that's the right answer or if that's how people feel, but, you know, I just, uh, just was sort of me doing my thing. It is really incredible, right, when you're at these conferences. And um, I remember my first one joining CNL, yeah, all men all men. And I was like in a red dress. So I really stood out. And then I was at that same conference last year and there was at least half women and a completely different audience, completely different energy and conversation, even just in the age dynamics and everything, especially with the nuclear industry. So I, I think that's really interesting though, about just not even like just being kind of used to it. Yeah. The one, the one advantage is people always remembered who I was. Because, uh, you, you know, your, your comment about the red dress is interesting because that's usually, you know, you can usually pick out women because they're wearing something a little more colorful than the navy blue suit or the black suit that, uh, that the men traditionally wear, especially in the nuclear industry. And so you'd meet like a lot of people, but they become sort of a smear of sort of blue suits and, uh, you know, maybe you'll remember them, maybe you won't. But, uh, but the women usually stand out because they're wearing something a little bit different. Yeah, and it's easier to, for people to remember you. So there you go. It's always good to stand out. That's a you know that's a great piece of advice because I'm I'm gonna end um, with everyone kind of giving their last moment thought about what it means to be a woman and girl in science and what that could be is what it means for you, what it means for the future, um, what it means for women and girls who are listening to this thinking, hey. I, I want to get into science, but I'm really not sure. So if that's some words of advice or encouragement, um, that's how we're going to close out today. And we're going to go the opposite way to end. So Farrah, you're up first. Sure. I think a um, piece of advice I would give is to, to follow your heart, follow your passion, follow your gut. And so wherever your path takes you, um, you, you heard the stories around the table. Several of them were very convoluted and sort of went in circles to get where, the, where you are today and my story was the same and so where I thought I ended up I didn't end up and I'm in a different place now and I'm so happy for it. So to not focus on what people think you can't do and to focus on what you absolutely know you can do and find your passion and it'll all fall into place for sure. Thank you Farah. Brittany? Yeah uh, I totally agree with that Farah. I think it's important to focus on the path not the goal. I think that's one of the bigger lessons I've learned in life because that was kind of the source of my problems, uh, if you want to look at doing two undergrads as a problem, I guess, I, I, I choose not to look at it that way. Um, but like, you know, starting off my, my post-secondary career, I was like, I want to be a pharmacist because that looks like a secure job. It checks a lot of boxes that I have, like that's why. And I sh looking back, it would have been more, it would have been wiser to, to have said, what am I interested in? I really like math. Why do I like math? Okay, I like problem solving. Like I like calculating things. I like feeling like the sense of accomplishment when you get to the right answer. Like there's a lot of awesome things. So just try and take a step back, understand yourself a little better, and like ask yourself the difficult questions about your why, your why of doing things, and set your ego aside. I think sometimes it's easy to be like, I want to be a pharmacist because 
like you have to go to professional school and that means you're smart <laughs> instead of being like well what yeah what do I really want to do so focusing on the path not the goal that's my advice thanks Brittany <laughs> yeah I think my advice would be to find uh, your mentors there's so many women now doing amazing things and you can find a woman doing anything that you want to be now I've been so lucky to have so many amazing women mentors in my career and I'm so thankful for them and everything they can share with me, especially because there are challenges with being a woman in science and it's nice to have people to talk to who get it. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you, Emily. Uh, yeah, uh, so I would just add that uh, the, the advice I would give is to try and find something that scares you a little bit, but that is so outside your comfort zone, but something that you think would be good for you, uh, because it can really unlock different parts of your personality, realizing that you, you know, if you think you can't accomplish it and you have that voice in your head and then just pushing yourself to do it anyway, you can really surprise yourself. Like I didn't learn to drive until I was 30. I was super anxious about it. And just, I grew up in Woodbridge and there, it was such a busy place to be driving. And it was just like a voice in my head all the time that it wasn't something that I could do. But when I learned how to do it when I was 30, it just, almost changed my personality because after that I was like oh I could be a manager I could do this I could do that <laughs> knock it down knock it down knock it down so so if you just push yourself a little bit to do something that that scares you 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 can kind of be surprised by what the outcomes could be thank you Ashley so I don't know what I can add to all the great answers that I've heard so I totally agree follow your passion and it is about the path like I, I don't think they're really wrong choices in what you want to study and, and they just sort of build on each other and all your skills build on each other even skills I learned in kindergarten you know cutting and pasting things I've actually used in you know graduate students so so everything that you learn is important just keep like collecting these skills uh, I guess I'll just leave you maybe with this thought like whatever you do it should be fun like science and technology is awesome it's fun you can either learn the secrets of the universe or you can design something that will totally change someone's life and this is you know really a really powerful place to be and we can all do it in some way shape or form it doesn't even have to be something you know you don't have to like lead a, a team for NASA or something like that you can you can you know develop something very small or you can support other scientists in a different way but science is fun and it's exciting and you should find that joy in your job. Well, thank you so much, Gina. That was an inspiring way to leave the podcast. I appreciate all of your time here today, and I hope that this special edition of the podcast for International Day of Women and Girls in Science was as interesting for everyone listening as it was for me to join the conversation. So thank you, everyone, very much. Bye.